hear my elbow. You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. All of my mistakes were cleared away by technical difficulties. <laughs> what you didn't know is I completely flubbed the last intro. I liked it. <laughs> but I started talking during the music because I still don't know how I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Njigba. Okay, so it's exactly how it looks. I don't know. N Jigba? Sounds right. N Jigba. I that's think actually that's pretty the way easy. they were pronouncing it during the draft, Andrews. That yeah, right? it's in Jigba. Okay. Okay. What's Okay, I'm not going to get into other hard names to pronounce and stuff like that. Antetokounmpo. <laughs> that one, you just say it fast. Like, you look at it, like and then you just sauce. go, Antetokounmpo. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Crap. Crap. That is like saying banana. Sometimes you just have a hard time knowing when to stop. Banana, and you're like, ah, when do I stop this word? No, that's spelling banana. That's what it is. It's not saying banana. It's spelling banana. Did you say smelling a banana? No, spelling. And spelling Mississippi. I heard smelling a banana is a good way to fight muscle cramps. Just smelling it? Yeah. Wait, really? I don't know. That sounds false. Yeah, probably. Because I'm not a doctor. I have muscle cramps. Fake news. Feel like I need to eat those bananas. I'm Justin Domashevitz. Daniel Hargrove here with me. Our trusty Hello. producer Andrew Gross is here as well. This time, making sure the live feed goes on as planned. We're going to talk about NFL draft. Yes. We're going to talk about local sports, and we're going to name an athlete of the week from some very deserving candidates. I hear there's a stump Daniel involved as well. There is. It's a little different from normal. And this whole show is brought to you by Oli Penn Real Estate, I think, and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Word. Should I not have said that? Nah. That's fine. Anybody listen to our show anyway? I don't know. Francis does. That's true. Where's Is Francis here yet? Does somebody need to text Francis? Be like, hey, our show has started. What I've noticed is that... <laughs> That's the type of personal care if someone's... you get from us. <laughs> <laughs> if someone subscribes to our YouTube channel, I think they get a notification on their phone when we go live. They need to hit the bell to get oh, the notification. That's, that's what the bell is. So, so hit the bell. and hit the bell. Yeah. You want a notification for when we go live. You do want to know. Not if. You do want you, a notification for when it. we go live. You want you it. You want it. <laughs> let's get it going with the two-minute drill. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hello. Gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet buckeye, don't worry. The two minute drill starts now. The Seattle Seahawks used the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft to select Illinois cornerback Devin Witherspoon. Devin or Devon? Devin. Devin Witherspoon. <laughs> Daniel, do you like the pick? I don't. I like him as a player, but your defensive line is non-existent right now and Jalen Carter and Tyree Wilson were both there so I think I like him talent wise as much as those other two guys but since I like you as much I'm going to need the position of need and the defensive tackle position was very lean in this draft according to so many sources and yet they went corner instead of the spot they need with a ton of talent I don't I, I don't know yeah, I don't know 
Later in the first round, the Seahawks selected Ohio State wideout Jackson Smith in Jigba with the 20th pick. Justin, what do you think of that selection? At the time, I was like, a wide receiver? Like, I get that you will have to have a third wide receiver, but it's one of the positions that at your top two, you're like most set at of all the positions with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think at the end of the first round, I made peace with the fact that, okay, they didn't address the defensive line like I hoped that they would, but they did get the top player on the board at two different very important positions. They got the number one wide receiver on the board and the number one cornerback on the board, and at the end of the day, I think because I like both of the players, I felt comfortable with the way the first round shook out. Seattle used its two second round picks on Auburn edge rusher Derek Hall and UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet. Daniel, do you see either of, either or both of those guys getting in the mix for the Seahawks this season? I think Derek Call probably will just because there's a wide variety of uses and a, a large rotation of players that they tend to use with the edge rushers. Mm-hmm. And Charbonnet, absolutely. I mean, how many running backs do the Seahawks go through every year? <laughs> I it seems like true. six. They have one. They have apparently. one right now. <laughs> yeah. And they have two. They have DJ Dallas, too. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about DJ Dallas. Is he still under contract? I think so. I think it was Homer that left. Oh, okay. Because Dallas was drafted. I think they have one him. more year of Dallas. Oh, okay. yeah. So they have Walker and Dallas. And if you've watched Charbonnet highlights, he does not run like a Frenchman, <laughs> which is what his name sounds like. The Hawks had six picks he in rounds four through seven. He doesn't give up easy, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, he, le- he doesn't go out of bounds either. <laughs> Justin, which of those picks is most interesting to you? I would say, especially because they did not address defensive tackle early with Jay Lillen Carter. There you go. Banana, nana, nana. I think the Mississippi State defensive tackle Cameron Young, who they selected in the fourth round, who is a mountain of a man at 304 pounds. He also has really long arms for his height. Um, A lot of what I saw in his draft sheet was long arms, strong, can shed blocks. He doesn't have elite athleticism, and he sometimes can get beat to the spot. But the quote in the NFL draft profile was, does the dirty work to allow linebackers to flow freely? And I love that so much because I like the way these guys were talking about him and how he can occupy so much space and so much attention in the middle. And that's what you need when you have guys like Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush coming from the backside. Let those guys clean up the mess after you've occupied the offensive players. Absolutely. Sorry, I thought there was another... I think I uh, we all probably kind of experienced the first round similarly. Yeah. Because when the Devin Witherspoon pick came up, I was like, all right, I had like three or four different players in my head that they might pick, and he was not one of them. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> even I know I Pete see. Carroll always says, people always say, Pete Carroll's a defensive back guy. He loves to pick corners, and that's true. But he usually picks guys later in the draft He's because never he thinks he can one. fix them. Exactly. He's never picked one higher than the third round. And, yeah. and, for the record, Pete in the press conference after that first after the first round said that they had never in all of their drafting seen a a and corner as talented as Witherspoon on the wow. board. Yeah, so he did say he, that. they're saying that he is that good. And, and you, I can't wait I to mean, dig into his highlights. Like I'm really disappointed because I love watching. You guys lo- know I love watching corner highlights specifically, right? Like when they had who was it? Recently, there was that guy from Texas. Was it Texas who they they drafted at corner a few years ago? And I watched his highlights, and I said most of his highlights were him getting beat. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really Trey curious. Brown. Yeah, Most Trey Brown, of these who guys. actually did a lot better than I thought he would. Yeah. Still, apparently, they don't trust him enough to actually keep starting because he had a decent end to the year two years ago, and then they'll never touched the field. Well, who will they be? Who will they have inside now? Probably still Kobe White. Or Kobe, yeah, Kobe, probably Brian? Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Sorry, Kobe I Bryant. mixed him up with a former and, Tar Heel basketball player. Uh, <laughs> and and Mike Jackson, I'm sure, will probably get a shot to help out inside at some point, too. But now it seems like your starting corners are probably going to be Woolen and Witherspoon, right? Yeah, But absolutely. they also have that third safety that they signed, and you know they love to go big nickel. So the third <laughs> the third extra guy on Wait, the field could they be... They lost Ryan, right? Yeah, they lost Ryan, Neal. Yeah, I can't remember about. the name of the other But you're thinking there. Love... Yeah. No. Is it love? I think it is. But Sounds is, right. Is it Damian Love or something like that? It's not Jordan. Isn't Jordan Love the quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's, so I think not, it's Damian. I want to say it's Damian. That doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, well. Anyway, you're calling him the third safety? You're assuming that Jamal Adams is going to be able to play more than like two snaps. Fair. <laughs> That's most likely your second safety. Fair. And Jamal Adams also can't catch if you underhanded the ball to him. Uh, I had so he's more I, of a linebacker. I heard some analysts saying on the radio, so local analysts yeah. saying that uh, having those two, having two corners that good on the outside has the potential to allow Adams to not play cover safety at all, yeah, or not ha- like not be ever put in a position of coverage, yes. yep. and being able to just be doing the the downhill run stopping inside the box stuff. Which would be good. Yeah. Um, it was a mix of Jordan and Damien. Oh. It's Julian. Oh. Julian Love. <laughs> <laughs> it's LaDamian Washington, which is an office quote. You're welcome. So, yeah. I love but, a good corner. So, yeah. the the thing that jumps out about this guy. I, I love really loved corner. your extended so, yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Sorry. I want to clip it and make it <laughs> so, one of our sounder. So, this yeah, guy I forgot what I was saying, but I can remember it by the time I say so. Yes, yeah. exactly. This guy hits, though, is the, is the thing that's mm-hmm. different, right? So, is that what they see that's different and better than any other corner they've ever seen? Because you watch his ball skills, and yes, they're good, but there's obviously been corners over the past 10 years who have at least as good ball skills and coverage skills as this guy. So, is that is that the only difference? Is they see this guy as the makeup of a corner who actually likes to hit and he's got the other talent. That's the only thing I can think of. And in that case, cool. Tackling is about the least valuable attribute of a corner there is. See, that's what you think as a non-tackling corner. But <laughs> it's true. But I played, Carol disagrees. I played corner like Deion Sanders. Somebody's running at me. Oh, slow him down. Maybe. <laughs> Dive at his feet. Hope he trips. But did I lead the league in interceptions? I don't know. I didn't know how to keep track of that. But I did have a lot. How many? <laughs> Seven? Five? Oh. We didn't play that many games. True. Yeah. Did anybody score a touchdown on me? On a reception? No. <laughs> on a reception? I'm sure, there was a, I'm sure there was a running play that went around me at one point. If the guy catches the ball in front of you, it doesn't count. No, it's only okay. if he beats you for okay. the touchdown. No, that does count. Oh. The no no touchdowns. <laughs> Not one. What's more important? Being able to tackle well or to keep the best receivers from scoring touchdowns left and right? Especially in the NFL, which last I checked, people throw 40, 50 times a game. 
I will assume that Pete Carroll believes Devin Witherspoon can cover. That's what I'm saying. The, yeah. yeah, can cover is great, but we've seen corners over the last 10 years, and he's like, nope, this is the best one we've ever seen. There's no way he's a better cover corner than anybody over the last 10 years. I, I mean, Why maybe not? he is. That seems like... It's, it's a blanket statement, right? Yeah, that's, it seems like at, some, at one of the last 10 years, one of the top corner will have been the best corner. Yeah. And everyone seems to agree that this was the best corner coming out this year. Like this there year. was no, there's no people going, oh, they reached for that. Well, there's a lot of people saying it. What it doesn't doesn't directly address need. No one is saying it's a reach. No one's saying that he wasn't good enough to be a number five pick. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was like even the, where he was slotted as an overall ranking was like seven. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they picked somebody. Exactly. It wasn't a traditional Pete Carroll. I picked somebody that was you know, projected two rounds later thing. Right. It, exactly. To me, it really felt like they had, they left their older strategy of like trying to be cute. And this draft, they were just like, who's the best player available to us right now. And they took it. That's what and it you felt know what? like. If that's, if that's what it is, then I can get behind that. The one exception and, to that is that they didn't take Jalen Carter, who everyone says is incredibly talented, which to me means that they didn't think that he had the 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 maturity right. and, and, and and I should trust him on that, right? I mean, I just I don't the even, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles already have a boss defensive line, and they just threw him into it. Yeah. I just feel like they were just gifted that, and so yeah. that that scares the crap out of me to think you just that said boss. I, that was a, that was a early two thousands <laughs> move, wasn't it? That's so boss. That's so boss. <laughs> but I, you're right, though. So, I was thinking the exact same thing when I saw that. I was like, oh, of course. Jalen Carter slid. He slid right to the best roster in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, crap. I am hoping... Witherspoon's the type of player that I hope turns into the player they think he is. I'm going to be rooting for that. So this is... Like, I'm saying all of this with that caveat that I think he could be great. I'm just... When I hear comments from anybody who's like, this is the best we've ever seen, I'm like... Oh my gosh! Well, obviously it, they're gonna say stuff like that about yeah, their number one, like, their their top pick. What yeah. a load of garbage, though! Can't you just say that he's the best corner we've seen in a while, or that he's the best corner in this draft by far? We love this guy. We love everything about him. Not this is by far the best we've seen since we've been here. Like, I also wonder if come on, if it's Can possible. We skip some hyperbole, Pete. Since we were talking about Jalen Carter, I wonder if it's possible that. You know, because the Seahawks have been a team that roll the dice on character guys, like guys yeah. with character issues, right? But never in like the top ten, That's right? True. Yeah. So is it possible that Pete thought, okay, maybe this is a guy that if he slid, we'd definitely take the chance on it. But if we're picking a top five guy, we need to know that this is not only an elite player, but also somebody we're not going to have to worry about. Which I. I can get behind. I was really hoping going into the draft that they were going to end up with Jalen Carter. Me too. Me too. I but I was also hoping that they would trade back and get Jalen Carter. That was like yeah. ideal situation yeah. for me. <laughs> so like maybe he'll slide out of the top ten. The the more I'm talking to you guys, the more I'm feeling good about the pick. Mm-hmm. But I'm just I mean their defensive line like yeah. how good do your corners and safeties have to be if the quarterback's got ten seconds to throw? Yeah. Well, they had, it's, I mean, or if you're getting run over, I mean, last yeah. year they got absolutely trampled in the running game. Well, their, their run Just defense is terrible, mauled. but they have, they have added a defensive lineman 
because they got that guy from Denver whose name I can't remember. That's they true. signed uh, as a free agent. And also, if yeah. they have Jamal Adams on the field, that does make a difference around the line of scrimmage because he is a strong, short yeah. tackler. So, in theory, I feel like that would and help against Bobby the Wagner. run game as well. And they got Bobby Wagner back. So, I, I feel like they are going back to this strategy that we talked about for years and years where they didn't they didn't build their defense from the inside out like so many other teams do. They were going to be strong in the back with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and, you know, whether it was Walter Thurmond or Byron Maxwell or Brandon Brandy. Browner. Like, they, they were going to have a defensive backfield that was going to hit you and they were going to make it hurt. And then whatever happened up front, they'd get guys for a year or two in that, that would make plays – but they built it from the back forward. Yeah. And it just struck me that, like, their defensive backfield is going to be really dang good this really year. Really good, yeah. So if they can do that, that will help up front. You mm-hmm. know, make things harder on the quarterback to get rid of the ball quicker. That's true. And their linebacking core, at least on the interior, should be pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I Super Bowl bound is what I'm saying. You can't hit people and make it hurt as much as you could in the secondary, though. Remember? That's true. Like, Cam because Chancellor there's tra- couldn't, you can't do Cam Chancellor things anymore. That's the true. The rules are a little bit. That and also the Seahawks were like the first team to kind of implement the I'm going to interfere with you on every play and challenge the referees to call it. Well, I think the Patriots in that, first, in that Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf did the same thing. I wasn't right? talking about for a single game. I was talking about, like, for a full season. That's a good point. Like, yeah. their whole strategy was, you're not going to call pass interference on every play. Right. I'm just going to do it and put put the pressure on you. Every time you mention Brandon Browner, I have this very mixed emotional series of, or mixed series of emotions yeah. that goes through my brain. Because at first I'm like, ah, yeah. Oregon State Beaver. Ugh. Really bad Currently dude. Really bad dude. Legion of Boom. Oh, he's just, ah. Oh. Yeah. Really bad dude. Yeah. Just so bums me I, out. I do want to, like, the whole thing about Jalen Carter and and character like issue or the character concerns, I really hate the way that guys get, and it, the draft does this. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like, oh, well, character concerns about this guy. That's so general. Mm-hmm. Yes. I yeah. do think that Pete and John, especially Pete, are willing to take risks on guys that have been labeled character concerns. Yeah. But not, I don't, I can't think of somebody that they brought in that the character, the specific character concern was maybe not driven, might not care, maybe, uh, maybe doesn't love playing football. Those things, if they, they can deal with a guy who's Brandon Browner, who's not, not a good person. Yeah. If that person, if, if he's going to work hard hit hard, love the grind, all that kind of stuff. I can think of one, and I think, because I think I remember similar things being said about Malik McDowell. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and that's the only one I can think of. And that and, might make them gun shy, but also, uh, was, was Aaron Curry before... Aaron Curry was before their time. Because that was the guy where everybody, that was a motivation issue as far as everyone seemed to be concerned. That that guy got into the league as a high pick and was like, meh, I got my money. Yeah, exactly. So Now currently coaching linebackers for the Seahawks. So weird. So weird. I I do love what you're saying, though. That's that's an excellent distinction. It's it's something that I like to yell at the radio every time. up this week. Yes. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, With the Njigba... I, he was the only 
when when were we talking about it? We were talking about receiver at some point last week in the show, I think. And I think I was like, eh, I don't really like any of these guys. As soon as they drafted him, it popped up into my head, and I was like, oh, except that guy. Well, what you that was the only one that I've heard yeah. anything about that I'm like, I like that guy because in my mind, I, the things I hear about him are the same things I heard about Tyler Lockett, except for maybe not as fast. But that's the type of receiver I want you to draft is the guy who's a route-running technician. Like when they drafted Eskridge – from the small college, and everybody's like, "Oh, look how fast he is!" And I went and watched his highlights, and I was like, "Go route. He runs. He Go runs route. faster than anyone else on the field. That's the but, only reason he's open. And he's playing against small college talent. Right. So it's not like he was running past legit dudes in the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12. He was running past small college dudes, and I'm like, that doesn't translate. It wasn't Percy Harvin speed where he was." head and shoulders above the best in college football. It was, eh, he's head and shoulders against a bunch of dudes who went and played small college football. Like, could I keep up with Dwayne Eskridge? No. But that type of, you have to have some craftiness if you're that level of fast. And it's turned out, like, he had no feel as a wide receiver. So when I watch in Jigba highlights and I hear people talking about his film and how he's just always open and it seems weird because it doesn't seem like he's the fastest guy in the field and yet somehow he's no matter what open and then he also has a ton of pretty darn good physical attributes to go along with that that's the type of receiver that I get excited about and I think I think he's going to be really successful and I think he's the perfect person to bring in alongside a DK Metcalf alongside a Tyler Lockett to learn from both of those guys, especially Tyler Lockett, and then maybe, who knows, be the heir apparent. Because Tyler's getting older. I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. I hope it's for a long time. He's my favorite player. If he's not wearing a hat or a helmet, he looks 57. Exactly. <laughs> Super weird. But Njigba seems like the type of person that I would want to be the heir apparent to Tyler Lockett. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, that pick. I, at the time, I was like, what? Receiver? And then yeah. I was like... Oh, that could be really cool. So yeah, I think we thought. did experience the first round the same. Yeah, yep. like both of the picks were kind of surprising. Didn't really seem like they addressed pl- positions of need, mm-hmm. but we like the players. Yes. at the end of it, so it's okay. Um, and then when they, I don't know anything about the outside linebacker from Auburn Hall. Yeah, did you hear any? What did you hear I, about him? I I didn't hear people talking about him, but I but reading the the write up on him, he was an outside linebacker that they they're classifying as an edge yeah. rusher in in the draft but they said that his development had been a bit slow because he was asked to drop back into coverage so much hmm. and to me that sounds like what the Seahawks like to do with their outside linebackers so it to me like it it i it didn't it to I, it didn't sound like he's going to be a d end in the three four, he's going to be an outside linebacker that's rushing and and gotcha. covering. He's yeah. going to play the Daryl Taylor role. Yeah, that's I think. And right. He, what they Except would hope a, that he could be is a consistent version of Daryl Taylor. Yes, that's because right. Daryl Taylor, while the man hits like a freaking jackhammer, yeah, is not consistently good or in the right spots. And so that they they're looking for someone who can do something similar. But do it more consistently. Basically, they want Bruce Irvin. They want prime Bruce Irvin. Yeah. 
Because Bruce was an amazing... Bruce, no! (laughs) (laughs) He was an amazing pass rusher who also was physically gifted enough and talented enough to drop back in coverage. This guy's huge, though. He's like... He's like 6'3", 250-something. Wasn't Bruce Irvin... I mean, Bruce Irvin was a first-round top 15 talent. That was one of those first-round picks that people were shocked by, though. That's true. I'm getting really upset. I'm on this one link, and I I want them to not only put the college and the pick in the round they're from, but how big they are. And I'm not finding that Just go to the ESPN app. Okay. Everyone has the ESPN app. I don't have the ESPN app. And then you go to to the little thing, and then you go to NFL. Okay. And you go to draft. And if you go by team. Riveting radio. Seahawks. (laughs) And Derek Hall. Is six three two fifty four. Okay, he's a big dude, but yeah. he doesn't look that. He doesn't look two fifty four. Like you look at him, the dude shredded. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, the running back. Yeah. I I might be a little biased because it. I don't know. It seems like when Brock Hewitt has done his hey, I don't know if the Seahawks are going to pick these guys, but these are the type of guys that I've seen in college that I think would be uh-huh. good Seahawks. It's half of them are Kansas State guys because he did a year. lot of Kansas State yeah. games. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But over the years, a decent amount of guys have ended up being Seahawks. That's true. So his track record is pretty good. And he loved Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. And you watch his highlights. He doesn't seem like the fastest. He He's doesn't not. seem like the quickest. He isn't. But he'll run you over. And he seemed like he had good vision, and he seemed like a good runner. So I, I, I think as your number two back, I think he'll do great. I heard people saying that he was the thunder to uh, – I just blanked out – our current running back. Kenneth Walker? Yeah, okay. Kenneth, yeah. To, to Kenneth Walker's lightning. And that it's got some a pattern though. that – it's Kendrick pa- Walker's got everything. Yeah. It's a pattern that Pete has used even back since his early USC, uh, days. USC days. He likes Wendell to have White. he likes to have a, a hard runner and a quick runner. Yep. So, and, and Reggie Bush, Lendell White, the best example of that. Those, are the, those are the two oh. the two names that were <laughs> mentioned. Oh my gosh! And then Lendell White just was not good in the NFL. <laughs> he. I mean, this Charbonnet guy, yeah. I, his, saying his name makes me feel annoyed. Charbonnet. But, I know. But I was reading through his, through his draft profile. He only ran a 4 5 three, 40. So, I mean, it's fast, but it's, it's not... It's not slow. No, it's not. Running back. It's fast. It's, yeah. But it's not like, you know, top-level speed. Yeah. But the, the things they're saying about him, which, by the way, he was the third-ranked running back, and both of the other two went, like, top 12? Yeah, it was they crazy. They both went really early. I was um, shocked at how high the running back. Yeah, was. I know, especially his, after how much that was like, pub, like how much we were hearing about how it was a terrible to pick a running back in the first round yeah. ever, like just a few years ago. Yeah, his, his strengths were listed as power, patience, ball security. If that doesn't scream <laughs> Pete Carroll running game, yes, I don't know what does. Absolutely, they said that sometimes he might not be as decisive, or he might not be able to find the right cutting lane. But he's a very powerful runner. He averaged seven yards per carry last year for UCLA. Scored fourteen touchdowns and had a, had thirteen hundred and fifty nine yards. In addition to that, 
he can catch the ball. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent receiver. 37 catches for 321 receiving yards in 10 games last year. He had an incredibly productive career in two years at UCLA. Yeah. Like, that's that's big-time football. That's top-level football. And he's averaging seven yards per carry yep. at, at the top of college football. So, yeah. I, I think... I think his track record speaks for itself. Exactly. He's going to be a good player. And didn't he, as a freshman, play for Michigan and, he, like, break a school record or something? Or I think them? he played two years in Michigan and two years at UCLA. And I think his Michigan stats his first year were just ridiculous and then didn't get much of an opportunity the second year, and that's why he transferred. But, I mean, he, he does have just an excellent track record. The next draft pick, Anthony Bradford, I don't know offensive lineman besides he's he seems big. So <laughs> yeah, that one I wasn't as excited about. That was listed as an upside pick. Like okay. this is this is a guy who, I mean, he's he's slow. Yeah, he's slow and he's not quick, but he's big and he's powerful. If we can if we can teach him the right techniques, he's got the right kind of body and the right kind of physical attributes to make him productive. I wasn't feeling super excited about that. The draft analysts on ESPN really liked that pick okay. for where they selected him. They thought, Hey, this is a good upside guy who could end up being a very productive guard, gotcha. but it didn't seem like anybody thought he was going to jump in and be part of the team right away. Gotcha. The next, uh, by the way, oh. Michigan Charbonnet in Michigan as a freshman carried the ball 149 times for 726 yards and 11 touchdowns. Wow. So pretty so impressive it, as a freshman. Yeah, impressive as a freshman. Maybe it was just a freshman stat or something. Well, eleven because, touchdowns is a lot. Yeah. So if maybe maybe he broke a touchdowns record for freshman. Yeah. So. Uh, the next guy in the fourth round, they take Cameron Young, the defensive tackle you talked about in the two minute drill. Absolutely need a defensive tackle. The, I mean, and we, the description we didn't have a nose tackle on right. the on the roster until that. And this is the thing that's interesting. So. We have some defensive tackles on the roster, but it's a 3-4. So are you playing is one of the technically an end because the people who are actually like the edge rushers are linebackers. Yeah. So is one of those guys, I'm assuming one of the ends is another D tackle is technically you, how it they is. They always aim for somebody who's kind of in between. Gotcha. So I think that's what Draymond Jones is. Yeah. The guy that we got. And then Jaron Reed, I guess, could be called kind of in between. So is this guy are you thinking three oh four is a nose tackle? Because the yes. that's as about as light as I would like my nose tackle, who's not Puna Ford, who is also five ten or whatever he is. So while he is a nose tackle, and I love the description you read about him, which was does the dirty work and allows running backs mm-hmm. or linebackers to turn around, which is what you want. He does seem a little undersized for my ideal three, four nose tackle. I believe what they were saying about him is that he may, he makes up for, uh, he makes up for some of his physical deficiencies with great strength and okay. reach. Okay. Like his arms, they, they... I heard a lot of talk about his arms. They were talking okay. a lot about how long his arms are and okay. how far he can reach with his arms. So he's one of those guys. He's one of those Donkey Kong dudes who, like, the arms are way longer than his height, or at least somewhat longer. But he is 6'3", so if yeah. you're talking about somebody's arms like that at 6'3", then they must be super-duper long. Yeah. Um, next one, they also go Mike Morris, who's a defensive end, defensive tackle, so that, again, seems like that mix... Gosh, and then it goes back to offensive line. I can't talk about offensive line. You safety, just don't want to say his back. name. 
Which one? Oh, Sinner. The... I have no idea how to pronounce that. Oluwatimi. But the Michigan Sinner. I, I just Olusigan thought that was... Michigan Oluwatimi. I have no idea if that's right. Hmm. And then another running back, Kenny McIntosh at Georgia. So, yeah, interesting draft. I, I got the feeling with this draft that you're going to get, like, I think just because defensive line was so weak going into this draft that you will see Mike Morris, you will see Cameron Young, they will get time as either starters or significant playing time this year. I don't think any of the offensive linemen they drafted will get significant time this year unless there's an injury. Kenny McIntosh, we've seen so many running back injuries, maybe. The safety, who knows if he'll even make the team because they have so many high-level safeties, and it seems like safeties are the type of guys that you can pick up. It feels like you can find a Ryan Neal every now and then. Maybe not as good as Ryan Neal, but he came out of nowhere. He was like some random practice squad dude. Yeah. So it seems like safety is the type of position where you can find some some worth off the street like that. And then it goes back to the top four picks, which is Charbonnet. Yes, he'll play. Hall will definitely get his shot. He was your top second-round pick. Jackson Smith and Jigba, and obviously Witherspoon. So we'll see. I, I like it overall. I'm a little surprised they didn't take a quarterback anywhere. Anybody else feel that, that way? Yes, a little bit. I, I expected them to pick one up late, like yeah. sixth, seventh round, just because they, they're going to sign one. I wonder like, if they, they only have two on the roster. They're gonna they're gonna pick one up for for spring training, yeah. spring training for pre, uh, preseason at yeah. least. I was wondering if they would have gambled on uh, Levis or Hendon Hooker if they had fallen just a little bit further. Because mm-hmm. Levis was picked just a few ahead of them in the second round, and where Hendon Hooker was selected, I remember thinking, okay, this guy's sliding. He's a little older. He's coming off a knee injury. Teams are kind of scared by it, but the Seahawks wouldn't need him to play right away. Um, so I was hoping maybe he'd slide a little further and he would be the kind of guy that Pete would really like, but I I guess I didn't, uh, overall, I didn't think it was super weird because as far as this year goes, they know they have Geno Smith. They still have Drew Locke under contract as a backup. So they they can wait till next year. I started hearing people say, Oh, well the, the, quarterback draft next year is way better. And it's like, they say that every year. Yeah. They, a, they say that every year and B. There's no way. I mean, if the Seahawks have a top five pick next year, what the heck happened? True. There's no way they're going to be in a position to draft a good quarterback next year. On on the Dan like, Patrick no, show. I was, no chance. I was low-key kind of hoping that they were going to make a trade back and into the into the first round of next year. Like, like with two first cool, rounds, yeah. I was like, what if they traded like the number five overall pick for somebody's first and second pick next year or something like that but nothing happened so yeah they last year they kept saying nobody's going to pick quarterbacks this year because the quarterback crop is way better next year and that turned out to be true really nobody picked quarterbacks last year Pickett was the only one in the first round yeah um sam howell malik williams they all slid really far in this year's draft i think this was supposed to be a better quarterback crop there was three guys on the Dan Patrick show they were talking about, well, the guys coming out next year, all three of them could be more highly rated than all the quarterbacks in this year's this this yeah. year's draft. One of them was Caleb Williams, one of them was Drake May, and the other one was Penix. 
whose yeah, first name I can't even remember. Is it Michael? Michael Penix. Yeah. Michael Penix. Yeah. Which I'm congratulating myself for pronouncing it that way. Well no husky. Because I really wanted to say Penix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't do it. That's well, not always you kind of did now. That's always the funny thing, though, right? Like they're always like, "Oh, well, we don't think quarterbacks are yes. going to go this high this year because next year they're going to be better." And it's like, who's to say the same teams are going to yes. have a shot next year? And like that is such well, a Daniel. bizarre way of thinking. And going into the season <laughs> like, we two know years that, ago, we Spencer know Rattler was supposed to be the number the one Jets. overall pick coming out out of Oklahoma, yeah. and then he was terrible, awful. Nobody knows. Yeah. So the whole wait till next year because the quarterbacks are going to be better. That's just assuming your team is going to be terrible again. Well, I think it's also, it might be more assuming that if you want somebody in the top three or four, that you, most teams will have enough, enough to get up that high. If they, if they want to sell everything, right? Like I'm, I'm not saying that's true, but that seems like what the assumption is. I guess, yeah. I mean, that might be the most logical way you could put that. It makes sense. We don't have room for logic here. Yeah. <laughs> well, neither does the NFL draft with quarterbacks most of the time. I'm sorry, yeah. but Anthony yeah. Richardson's going to be terrible. And when I was hearing that the Seahawks were interested in, I was like, as a defensive end, sign me up. <laughs> that dude is nutso when it comes to athletic ability. As a quarterback... Heck no. Dude plays like Tebow. Get me out of Daniel, there. He plays like Daniel's favorite quarterback of all time. Except for he doesn't win. <laughs> but isn't it funny, Except though? Except for he doesn't win. Isn't it funny, though, how Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts have kind of changed the game for how people view accuracy coming out of college? Because yeah. for years and years, it was always, well, there's one thing that you can't teach, and that's accuracy. Yeah. Like, you, if a guy's inaccurate, he'll always be inaccurate. And it was proven time and time again with guys like, you know, Vince Young and many others. Yes. Uh, that was a little heartbreak for me. But I... I think that because people watch Josh Allen, not only in college at times, but also in the pros, be just an inaccurate thrower. Yeah. And now he's a stud. Yep. And the one knock on Jalen Hurts and the reason why he got benched for Tua at Alabama and then ended, ended up eventually having a transfer, is it, it was accuracy. Yeah. I watched him last year. He did not seem to have an accuracy issue. Right. So these guys have kind of like in the same way that Russell Wilson and Drew Brees broke that hole. You can't have a six foot quarterback thing. Yep. Your quarterbacks need to be six three, six four. It feels so much less predictable than ever because there used to be things that were universal truths. If yep. you're short, you can't be a quarterback. If you're accurate, you won't get accurate. Yep. And now it's just proven that nobody knows anything. Yeah. Quarterback <laughs> is more of a crapshoot now than it's ever been. That's true. A the short thing was already debunked before that, but nobody wanted to By believe Flutie. it. Flutie and Fran Tarkenton were both fairly short. Both extremely successful quarterbacks. Flutie was but super you had a, short, wasn't he? Flutie was like 5'7". Yeah. Like that Probably was Probably still is. Just the <laughs> Just the fact that he had any sort of success should have blown that out. But you had all the old school football guys go, nope, I need the big tall guy like Rob Johnson to come in for the Bills and suck in the playoffs. It is funny, though. And yet they all stuck with that. When you when you wanted examples of short quarterbacks, you have to go to Doug Flutie. And when did Fran Tarkenton play? Well, that's what I was trying to think of guys before yeah. uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. And that's been a while. Yeah. And those are the guys before him who should have broken that mold yeah so but you're saying that there's Flutie, probably a lot of short guys in between there that should have got a shot and probably didn't exactly fran tarkenton was back in like the black and white broadcast you're standing up for six footers everywhere i am i like it 
or less. Flutie six, was six foot short guys. The fact that Flutie had as much <laughs> success as he did at like five seven, five eight, should have made people like borderline six foot. I want to say he's probably 5'8". 5'10", like according to Wikipedia. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Everybody who says they're 5'10", though, they're really 5'8". I mean, everyone, everyone knows, right? If yeah. there was an official measuring, yeah. Doug Flutie would not be 5'10". Uh, if he was at the combine, I, I would be shocked. I think he was like 5'4". Yeah. <laughs> Muggsy Bogues. Anyway, you get what I'm saying, though, right? Like... They should have given some other quarterbacks more shot, I feel like, because of the success that shorter quarterbacks had had before then. Shorter backs. When it comes to accuracy... You didn't like that one? No. When it comes to accuracy, sure, give people a chance, but you're going to base it on two guys over the last 10 years? Like, just because Josh Allen, who A, is a physical monster and also gets a lot of success running over dudes... And then, and also short sample size, right? Like, yes, those guys each had one good year with Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, or two good years, maybe. Like, How I much? don't know. Is that the rule that you want to say is just blown up because two guys have had some short-term success? I don't know. Maybe, and maybe well, because the game has kind of shifted more to quarterbacks running. In the way, in the way we're hearing people, me, the media talk about them, it's definitely shifted. Yes, yeah, that's, that's more that's what I was driving sure. at, right? Just in the general perception. And I think the general perception is if you're big, strong, and look pretty, then you get to be not accurate and people will take a shot at you no matter what year it is. Like, how long have we had this discussion where people have just <laughs> drafted people like Jamarcus Russell? Will Levis. Will Levis, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, this has been a problem. People have ignored accuracy for forever. Jacob Eason. How much does accuracy... <laughs> right? Like, this... Uh, Jake Locker. I mean, you can you can name guy after guy who they've completely ignored accuracy because oh, he's 6'4". Oh, my gosh. He's 6'4 and has a cannon. This could be the Titans fan in me that has a little bit of bias, but I think Jake Locker actually could have been good if his, if his development had not been stunted by injuries, which is the same way I feel about Marcus Mariota. I think both of those guys could have been good if they could have developed without constantly getting hurt. What about the most recent guy? Malik? Malik Willis. Yeah, what do you think about him? Well, considering they keep drafting the, fact, the same guy over and over again is what I see in Tennessee. Considering the fact like, that they, they got Steve McNair and they're like, this is awesome. Vince Young's kind of like that. Marcus Mariota's kind of like that. Jake Locker's kind of like that. Malik Willis is kind of like that. Will Levitt, I mean, stop it, Tennessee. Well, I Pick think what, some other type of quarterback. What has been proven is that McNair was a way better passer than any of those other guys. But uh, exactly, but he had the ability to run, and it's almost like they were like, "We need a quarterback who looks like he can run." Vince Young was a dumb dumb, and he overthrew everybody. Uh, yes, um, Malik Willis. I think it said everything you need to know about how the Titans feel about him when they were jockeying for playoff position, and Ryan Tannehill was hurt, and they started Josh Dobbs. <laughs> like. You're not even the backup, Malik. Ouch. So, and then now they drafted a quarterback in the second round. Yeah. Do you try and turn him into a receiver? Because he is stupid fast. He's really fast. He yeah. could be a running back. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to give you some opportunity to talk about the Titans. Are you excited about Will Levis? No. How, how much do you think... <laughs> like, their track record at quarterback's been brutal. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think accuracy issues in college could be affected by the receivers you're throwing to though 
Like, do you think probably? I'm going to say not that much because you're getting used to the, like, are you saying because they draw very different answers? I'm saying if you have, I'm saying. Like, we have much. Yeah. If if Like, are you saying because they drop it so it comes off as an incompletion? In incompletion, they have or stats to look past. Really? That. Okay. Yes. That's I. I wasn't really sure. And and Anthony Richardson's advanced stats or, are also. But garbage. also, it could also be. I could see how it could be impacted by guys not running like crisp routes. You're throwing the ball if you're in timing throws. You're throwing the ball where they're supposed to be and they're not there. That That's kind what of thing. I was thinking. Is I, that I, you're I, trusting your receivers to be in the exact right spot at the exact exact right time. In some offenses. That's true. Not yeah. many college offenses are based on that. And also, the amount of Oregon State quarterbacks who I've seen come through <laughs> who have had maybe one receiver who are yet put up enough production to constantly get drafted as backup quarterbacks because yeah. there's zero hype around them, but everybody looks at him and goes, oh, yeah, you're a pretty good quarterback, and you know how to run the system, and you're accurate, and you know how to throw a football. When they literally have one receiver on the team, like – Oregon State is backup quarterback university. It's bonkers how many of them just keep getting drafted and then play second or third string quarterback. Beavers had a player who was taken in the second round. Luke year? Musgrave, baby. Yeah. yeah, that dude's a stud tight end. Yeah. He'll be good. He'll be a solid tight end. We'll Isn't just... it funny, though, that yeah. the Packers picked two tight ends and a wide receiver with their first four picks? <laughs> <laughs> they, they picked a defense. By the way, that Van Ness guy... Yeah. That they picked in the first round. His family totally stole the show from him. But then after that, they immediately picked, I think it was two tight ends and a wide receiver with their next three picks. Yeah. Did you see the Lucas Van Ness stuff? No. So first of, first of all, he's... I saw the Will Levis stuff where it looked like he had two different girlfriends. Did you see that? What? At some point, they were showing him, that... and was one of them his sister? I think And are they so. just really cuddly? Like, that was I... weird. Or are know. you thinking of Lucas Van Ness because they look really similar? I only saw I only saw an Instagram reel about it. Okay, so, so. The, with Van Ness, he's like surrounded by people right. on the couch. There's like four different girls around him. You find out later <laughs> that only one is his girlfriend, who is Cole Komet's sister, who's already a tight weird. end in the NFL, That's and the weird. others were all his sisters. Okay, but at the time, everybody was like, "How many girlfriends does this guy have?" So <laughs> crowd all the whole the hot thing, girls onto the couch. The whole thing was crazy, right? So <laughs> yeah. like, he gets picked. He's on the phone. Yeah. Um, and I think his dad was the one who was like, his job was to try to make sure that nobody got on him when he was actually on the phone with the team. Okay. His girlfriend comes over to try to kiss him. He says, no, no, no. Puts a finger up like this to her. <laughs> and then this drunk guy comes out from the side of the shot and lays on him. And then you see the dad grab him by the shirt and pull him off and get him out of the way. And then the girlfriend, not to be denied her kiss, <laughs> leaned over while he's on the phone and gives him this like weird, awkward neck kiss behind the ear just yeah. so everybody knows, yeah, that's my man. And I did not get rejected for a kiss. <laughs> and then after that's over, the girlfriend stands up up first the girlfriend hugs the mom they're in a wide angle the girlfriend gets yeah. up hugs the dad the dad pats her on the butt <laughs> his son's girlfriend on national television during a live broadcast of the nfl draft oh, that's so weird. many things happened in like a 10 second clip where espn's like van ness family like get your crap together for 10 <laughs> seconds so we can show our guy getting picked without all this other stuff happening all i dra- googled was van ness draft and the very first thing is Lucas Van Ness' dad slapped son's girlfriend on backside during strange NFL draft celebration. It was really weird. 
Like super. A lot of weird things happened in that <laughs> ten to fifteen second span. That was the weirdest. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Yeah, you know how some things end with an exclamation point. Yeah, <laughs> that ended with a question mark. Like, what are you doing, guy? What? My my favorite. My first thought is when you started talking about the girlfriend. Was remember Russell Wilson's <laughs> girlfriend and then future wife yeah. and then future ex wife. Remember her face, just complete crazy. Yeah. And Ashton. The, yeah, the rumors of her and Golden Tate abound. <laughs> I think we talked enough NFL draft. I think we did too. Probably too Probably much. Probably too much, but it was it was kind of fun because I didn't get to pay attention as much as I wanted to this year, so I was kind of selfishly using this time to learn more about what happened, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. Let's move on to my favorite part of the show. Really? Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Stump Daniel is brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. No relation. What's the A stand for? Daniel, I'm going to do something a little different this week. It is completely non-sports related. It is based on something that happened in my life. It says locked wooden crate in parentheses next yes, to it. Yes, it does. Is this like a video game where you have to go around smashing crates to no, get stuff? No, it is not. <laughs> I feel like Daniel, yesterday I had a rare day off with nothing planned. Oh. Both of my sons were at their grandparents' house doing work to try to pay for their football camp. Nice. So it was just me and my wife and my eight-year-old daughter. And we thought, what, what would be more fun? This? I should have invited you over. Oh, it was all day. No, oh, we're house-sitting. It would have yeah. been a great time. That would have been fun. Yeah. So what we decided to do was let's, you know, let's do something special since it's just the three of us. Let's go get some lunch and get some snacks and we'll go to the park. You can play on the playground. So we went to Sam Ben Park. Where did you get lunch? This well, is a food show. I know. But we, <laughs> we went to Safeway. Hey, Safeway Deli has good food. And yeah, but not what I was expecting. I was expecting like <laughs> somebody from our top, from our final four or something like that. My daughter's very picky. Okay. And my <laughs> my wife really likes sushi. Okay. And the best place in town, sorry Samurai, the best place in town to get sushi is Safeway. Whoa. Fresh sushi Shots. at Safeway. Shots fired. I don't like sushi, so I don't it's yeah, not my do it's not my bag. I, I agree. But when it's like, hey, let's we need to get a lunch and go. It's really easy go. They make it fresh every day. So I get too much Chinese food. Um, Angel will get some yep. sushi, and my daughter got some chicken strips and some other stuff, and we got some snacks, and we yeah. went to the park. The Safeway Deli is pretty solid now. It, that I think it's about good it. variety. Yeah. Good variety. Yeah. Also, right now, the they have that uh, Shanghai special, which is supposed to feed two people, but can really feed three. Oh, nice. And it's only $2. And Justin eats it. <laughs> it's on sale for $2 more than the regular Supreme Combo. Nice. So I've just been buying that. Nice. And that is the opposite. <laughs> I saw a great reel the other day that says, it's somebody was like, I identify as a male, but KFC says I'm a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. So we go to the park. We go to Sam Ben Park in Aberdeen. Okay. Great good, park. Good playground. Yep. Nice little covered picnic area. Yep. We brought a blanket to put over the table because the table was yucky. This was Saturday. Yeah, roughly noonish. Okay. We drove by that park at some point this weekend. I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, and it was just packed. Weather was good. Yeah. You know, it was sunny, but it wasn't too hot. There was a nice breeze. It was actually a little chilly at okay. times. But as we were there, and we're, we're just eating our food, watching my daughter play on the playground. Some people show up in a truck. They get out a... Uh, charcoal grill smoker thing wow a a couple of folding tables okay and they're setting stuff up one of the guys 
who's a younger guy, I would have estimated probably in his like mid to late twenties. Okay. Goes to the truck. He gets out a wooden crate with a lock on it. I'm gonna say it was roughly two and a half feet tall. It looks handmade. Okay. Roughly two and a half feet tall, maybe a foot to a foot and a half wide in two directions, and it's in a lock. And it's sitting on the table. They're getting everything else ready, getting food prepared, getting ready for a big party of people that's coming. Okay. And Angel and I were sitting at the table going, what do you think's in that locked crate? <laughs> Are they going to steam some crab? But no, I didn't hear any noise from inside of it. So it's By like, the way, it was yesterday that we drove by. So we, I think we definitely saw this party in like okay. its later stages Okay. later that day. We thought, are they going to do some kind of a live animal sacrifice? That's what I was wondering. Like, um, I wasn't thinking sacrifice. I was thinking, <laughs> are they going to slaughter a pig? Or is this just one of those, like, bear boxes? Like, if you're camping, you keep your food locked up in a box, so, and you hang, you put it up high so a bear can't get it? Yeah, but why would you bring that to a park? You do one or the other. So, we, so at one point, we Both make... it's better. We make eye contact with the older gentleman. Not, he looked like he might have been the, kid, the guy's dad. Okay. We made eye contact with him. He said, hey, what's up? And I was like, hey, man, uh, we're just sitting over here speculating wildly about what's in that locked crate there. What's in the box? So your I know what's task in the what's in the box? for Stump Daniel oh, is to guess. guess what was inside the locked wooden crate. You can ask me as many questions as you want, but I can't guarantee I'll have all the answers. Daniel, what was in the locked wooden crate at the party at the park? Okay. Was it bigger than a bread box? Yes. Was Wait, the thing inside of it or the yes, box itself? The thing inside of it. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Was it animal? No. Vegetable? No. Mineral? Was it a rock of some sort? No. I'm glad you clarified because I was like... I didn't know. When I said mineral, I was like, (laughs) I think that means a rock or something. (laughs) Wait, if it's not animal, vegetable, or mineral, Andrew, what's left? It has to be animal, vegetable, or mineral. That's the point of the three categories. It is not animal or vegetable. So, so I, I guess, I guess it's mineral, but I guess I never really thought about how wood, much veg- wood would be vegetable. Yeah. So vegetable is anything that's like a plant of yeah. any sort. Not vegetable. Okay. And an animal is anything that is. Oh, you know what an animal is. <laughs> not okay, so animal. It's dev- it's so it's got mineral. Not animal or human. So it's mineral, but not a rock of some sort. Correct. Is it a statue of something? Like a type of statue? Nope. No locked crate. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff's happening right now. Because the crate itself house. was not that weird, but the fact that it was locked. Yeah. That was the part that tripped me out. I was definitely thinking animal here, but now I'm confused. Wait, you can Sam, give up at any time. Sam Ben Park. I feel like Francis would lock up some like disc golf discs or something because mm-hmm. I feel like disc golf people are weird. Good guess, but it's not disc golf discs. Okay. Because who would want that? I feel like the fact that you're giving me as many questions as I want, that there's, <laughs> like, you have zero thought that I'm going to get this, of what was in a locked wooden crate that was brought to, I'm pretty sure it was a birthday party at a public park. It was a party. It wasn't a birthday party? No. Weird. Okay. It was birthday adjacent. And you really had a deep conversation with this older gentleman, didn't no, you? No, it was about 45 seconds. What is going on? 
a blocked crate? And it's not an animal? Birthday adjacent? Were these people from North River? Angel says that she knows what's in the box. Well, of course she was there! <laughs> was it a box or a crate? Could you see, like, were there slats? Or was it like... It was, it was made of slats, but they were all really close together and you couldn't see in it. Were they from North River? Did you answer that question? I didn't ask. <laughs> if I were to guess based on their, their appearance, I'd say no. What's that Were they from to this area? <laughs> you know, I think that the the people who were throwing the party are from this area, but I did he- overhear them saying that some of their relatives came in from far out of town. So it was a big enough deal to be there that people came from... One of the people I think he said drove an hour and a half to be there. Was it... Something that created an activity, like a skeet shooter or something. I don't know. Like, was it? Like, was it? Was it a, me- a mechanism of some sort? I guess. No. Dang! What the French toast was in this box? <laughs> you can give up at any time. I love this, by the way, but I'm not sure what it makes for a great radio. <laughs> Was the box itself something like it opened up and turned into something like, uh, like a panorama or something like that? No. I hate your. Yeah, like I tricked you with my eyes there. Yeah. That was low. (laughs) Locked box. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna give myself two more guesses. Okay. Or questions leading to them. Was it? Was the box? Holding something that was a special way to cook something? No. Was the box holding a statue? You already guessed that, and no, and why would you lock it? Why would you lock it? (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Alright, what was in the... What was in the... What was in the box? The party, in a very self-indulgent millennial kind of a way, was a gender reveal. And the box contained helium balloons that would go <laughs> off when you opened it. So in the moment when I asked that man what it was about, I immediately regretted it because I looked at that guy and I said, how much attention do you need? I feel like... Is there anything... As a guy who's who has openly said that I'm very <laughs> self-indulgent in certain instances, yes, I look at a gender reveal and I think, how much attention do you need? Andrew did a gender reveal. How much attention do you wait? What? No, I, it wasn't no, Andrew. No, I did Sorry. not. Andrew, Andrew helped with a gender reveal. Sorry, of their dogs. <laughs> Can you explain that to me? Because now I'm really confused. I'm sorry. No, Andrew did not do a general reveal. It was at the Swallander's house, and so anything firearm related at the Swallander's house, I also kind of connect to Andrew. Firearm related? Yeah, yeah it my, was a pretty cool general reveal. My brother, reveal. my sister and brother-in-law did a general reveal. Hannah's losing it over there. <laughs> at crying. My, at my 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 in-laws' house. Yeah. Because they have a farm with room yeah. to set up. Uh. 
it, a big thing of tannerite and shoot it, and it gave off blue smoke. Okay. It was really it cool. Was, it was, however, not a party. It was not a party. It was a gender reveal. For close family. They... Like did a, they record it and put it? They on recorded social media? it and put it on social media. Yeah. Sorry, or at least they shared it with their family. I don't know. If I they, don't know if they publicized it. I, I don't know if they put it on social media. They might have just sent it. His to like family, family is chats. in Wyoming. Yeah, I think they so just it sent probably it. was just family chats. Yeah. So does that still count? I feel like it's a smaller version. I feel like I would just text my family. Hey, we're having a boy. <laughs> I That's feel what we did. like <laughs> I feel like it was Sorry, a Anna. a way of. Doing the gender reveal that is very popular without doing it self indulgently. Honestly, yeah, I feel like it was the the least self indulgent way that you can do that. Something I like disagree, that. but also I have a lot of really stupid opinions on these kind of things, so I everyone will, should take it for what it's worth. I also feel <laughs> stupid that I heard birthday adja- adjacent and a party and had no like no thought of a gender reveal, zero thought. Was it a boy or a girl? I didn't stick around long enough to see the balloons released. <laughs> I didn't care. What's in the box? I feel like an idiot. Idiot! I can think of very few things that, if I'm scrolling through TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, few things that make me roll my eyes more than a gender reveal. The only time I'll watch... Well, see, that's the thing, is for a public consumption, <laughs> who cares? Angel says, you are a millennial, don't be a grump. That's the thing, though. Like and She also for, is confirming that Justin has stupid opinions about a lot of things. That's true. The thing about gender reveals, though, I totally get them if you're telling she your friends know. and family. The whole wanting to get, like, viral with a gender reveal, that's what bothers me. I love videos of gender reveals that go wrong. Exactly. Like, like the one where the, there's a ball. And yes. the guy has the wife toss it to him, and he has a baseball bat. And he whiffs. And no, he doesn't whiff. He watches it because he's like, "Oh, that was a bad toss." <laughs> then it hits the ground and it explodes pink. Right, Guess what? It's worse. a girl, and you suck. Yes. Swing the bat. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> it's a girl, and you suck. <laughs> I think this seems like a good time to take our uh, first commercial break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Welcome back to the scrimmage. I am Justin Domashevitz, flying solo here because Daniel Hargrove and Andrew Gross have both taken a break from the show, even though the commercial has officially ended. We are going to get into some local sports with the local sports roundup soon. You know what I should do since everyone else left is I should just name an Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week now because I can pick whoever I want. I can pick three Bulldogs. No! <laughs> Daniel is now charging in from the other room because he heard me say that. <laughs> but yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of good local sports. They're, some of the seasons yes. are they're not winding down. They're not over regular season yet, but we're starting to get a really good picture of who the best teams are in some of these different sports and some of these different leagues. <laughs> we really and, need to uh, switch our seats back. Max <laughs> keeps walking up to me, thinking that hey, the guy who usually sits in this spot loves me. 
And while I love PAX, not the way that you do. That's true. No one loves PAX the way I do. We're all thankful for that. Uh, <laughs> I interrupted you and then totally broke the whole chain of You didn't interrupt me. I was filibustering. <laughs> I didn't let anyone know that both of you ran off. Yeah, I heard you let... What, what? what I want to know is where Andrew went. I usually he, run off. He ran outside, so I assumed he had to pee. He's neither confirming or denying that. We've already we've already discussed the fact that I live in the woods. That's true. And he loves in the woods. <laughs> Let's do the local sports roundup. A grand slam off the bat of Bodie Polar helped power Montesano to an 11 to 5 win over Elba. Bodie bombs. On Monday in Elma, Polar went two for four in the game with five RSBI. Carter Studer led the Eagles at the plate, going three for three with a double, a run, and two RSBI. That's a good game. Josh Willis, Camden Taylor, and Christian Olsen each had two hits for the Bulldogs. Monty beat Elma for a second time in the week on Thursday, nine to six, this time in Elma. Polar went four for four in the game with three doubles, three runs scored, and three RSBI. Caleb Ames added two hits, including a double, scored twice, and drove in four runs. Taylor got the win, pitching six innings, and allowed three earned runs. And I didn't add it to this, I don't think. Maybe I didn't put it anywhere. But they played actually Monty versus Elma three times this week, and Monty won all three games, which were really important league games in getting Monty to its ultimate goal. You know, stuff like that happens when you play baseball in Grace Harbor in the spring. Because rain out yeah. and then makeup games just yep. all lumped together. Montesinos boys soccer team beat Hoquiam. That's the silly score. Nine to nothing on Monday. Christopher Tobar scored four goals for the Bulldogs. That's a glut. Yep. Giovanni Torres or Schmatrick. Schmatrick. Added two goals. Mateo Sanchez and Felix Romero. Felix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not Feliz, yeah. which is what I put in there. <laughs> I was a little confused. Whoops. Monty clinched the league title with a 3-2 win over Elma on Friday. The Bulldogs got two goals from Mateo, the Renaissance man Sanchez, and one from Giovanni Torres. Sticking with Montesano, their softball team improved to 10-4 on the season, 4-2 in league play, both of those losses to Hoquiam, by the way, with a 12-6 road victory over Elma on Thursday. The Bulldogs recorded 13 hits in the game, led by Jordan Carr, who went 4-5 with a triple, a double, and four runs scored. Allie Parkin went three for three with a home run and two doubles, a run and three RSBI. Kylie Wisdom also hit a dinger. She went two for five, scoring a run and driving in four. The Montesano bats were hot in that game. Jordan missed the cycle with it by a dinger. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Ugh, so close. Aberdeen's baseball team fell to WF West on Tuesday, eight to two. Trevin Nichols and Aiden Baker each recorded two hits for the Bobcats. Hoquiam split a baseball doubleheader with Eatonville on Tuesday at Olympic Stadium, taking the opener 14-3 and dropping the nightcap 14-8. In the Grizzly win, Xander Jump went two for four with a double, two runs, and er, and two runs scored, also four RSBI. Nice. In the loss, Joey Bozich recorded two hits for the Grizzlies. P.L. Willapaw Valley's baseball team split a doubleheader with Ilwaco on Tuesday, dropping the opener 4-1, but bouncing back with a 13-8 win in the nightcap. Riley Pearson picked up the win on the mound for the Titans, 
and also went four for seven at the plate across both games with five runs scored. And you're gonna notice a theme in this, like Daniel said earlier, there's a lot of doubleheaders because a lot of games are being made up right now. Yes. The PL Willapop Valley's softball team swept the doubleheader against Ilwaco on Tuesday. Lauren Emery was the winning pitcher in both games for the Titans, striking out 14 batters across 10 innings, That's allowing lot. five hits and just one earned run. Olivia Matlock went 7-9 in the 7-4-9 in the two games combined with two doubles, a triple, seven runs scored, and an RBI. Uh, Emery and Matlock both studs. Yeah. Aberdeen soccer team kept its perfect record intact Wednesday with a 2-1 overtime win at Tumwater. Gil Lopez scored for the Bobcats just before halftime, and Elmer Torres hit the game a winner in the extra period. Elma's soccer team hosted Forks on Wednesday and came away with a 5-0 win. <laughs> Perennial Athlete of the Week snub Kaysen Seberg scored two goals <laughs> and assisted on two others for the Eagles. Yep. Sorry, Kaysen. <laughs> Hoquiam's soccer team got a goal apiece from Santiago Martinez and Ulysses I think Morelia so. yeah. on Wednesday in a 2-0 win over El Waco. A lot of El Waco. Yeah, take yeah. that, Alaco <laughs> fisherman. Jose Fabian assessed. I don't know why I made fun of Alaco there. Oh, uh, they assisted in both goals. They, Jose Fabian, assisted in both goals. That's one person. I know why you took a shot at them Sorry. because you wanted to flex that you knew Ilwaco's mascot. Yeah, it was a bad flex. <laughs> Not led, a good flex. led by Olivia Moore's low round, Elma defeated LeCenter 190-219 on Tuesday at Oaks Ridge Golf Course. Moore led the Eagles with a score of 37 for her nine-hole round to earn medalist of the match honors. Sophia Hamilton scored 47 for the Eagles with Aubrey Moore and Taylor Staples carding personal best rounds of 48 and 58 respectively. Thank you, Daily World, for that information. Nice. Also... Sad that this will be the last season scheduled at Oaks Ridge. A bummer. Mm -hmm. Aberdeen. Oh, I want to buy a golf course. I don't have. Oh, any Ocean money. Shorts <laughs> just sold. I don't have any money to. But that's never gotten any. Owning a, owning a golf course seems like the best job ever. You just borrow it. That sounds the American be, way. Yeah. You would need to buy a golf course that could pay itself back eventually. <laughs> which apparently Oaks Ridge can, which stinks. Yeah. Because the, the tribe, because it was the Chehalis tribe that bought them, right? I think so. And they put it, they put some money into it. Didn't didn't help. But I like that golf course. I'm sorry, I kind of kiboshed things there. Oakwim uh, <laughs> or Aberdeen, not Oakwim. Aberdeen took home <laughs> the team title at the Sibley Scramble on Monday at the Alderbrook Golf Course in Union, led by the overall low score of 68. Hank from Britt Radchich and Caitlin McCracken, Aberdeen finished with 154 strokes, one better than WF West with and three ahead of third place Elma. The Eagles were led by Olivia and Aubrey Moore, who paired to shoot a 69, with Olivia also winning the closest to the pin competition on the 12th hole, and Aubrey claiming the longest drive title on the 15th hole. Nice, thank you Daily World for that information. 
Aberdeen's softball team took down Rochester 4-0 on Wednesday. Lily Camp pitched all seven innings for the Bobcats, allowing just one hit and striking out 13. She's good. Alyssa Yakovich went 3-for-3 three three at the dish with two doubles and two RSBI. It's also good. Oh, Costa's softball team. Do they exist? Not sure. Split a doubleheader with Forks on Wednesday. Take that, Forks. Losing 4-0 and winning 7-6. Jesse Gilbert pitched 14 combined innings. Still not sure if she's real. She allowed five earned runs and striking out 26, 26 batters. Yeah. Wow. Gilbert went two for three at the plate with two dingers. <laughs> three runs scored and four RSBI in Ocasta's win. The Wildcats played a non-league doubleheader against Winlock on Tuesday and won. Not, yeah, that's how you say that word. And won both games. In the first game, Gilbert went 3 for 3 with a triple, 4 runs, 5 RSBI, and Ocasta won 25 to 4. What? In the second game, Gilbert pitched 5 innings. So there's, just want to let you know, there's 5 innings. So there's 15 total outs. She pitched 5 innings of 1 hit ball, striking out 14. In a 10 to nothing Wildcats win. Gilbert also hit a dinger, of course, and a triple. Why not? And drove in four runs. <laughs> Golly. Do some video game stats, man. Hoquiam softball team beat El Waco. Take that, Fisherman. 13 to 3 on Wednesday. Uh, Karin Blood was the winning pitcher for the Grizzlies. Why is everybody playing El Waco? <laughs> Pitching six innings without allowing an earned run. Good job, Karin. Ashlyn Cady had two hits, including a home run, and Gracie Bonnie Spradlin hit a double and a triple. Nice. Grace Harbor Goals Girls U19 WPL team, I know where this is going, closed out their season undefeated on Saturday with an 11-1 win. What? A one? Emmy wasn't in when the goal was scored. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to be upset. Scotland Lecompte and Olivia Thiel who typically are defensive players, played some forward. Why not when you're up 11 to one? And each scored a goal in the match. Jemima Perez scored a glut of goals in the game. That's five. That's five. Oh, so what's it? When, we, when I called the other one a schmat trick. Four. I know there's another name for it, but I can't remember because I think we just decided to replace it with schmat trick. You're right. It wasn't glut. Yeah, I know. Four is into glut, oh, okay. apparently. I, I, mean, I can go already. back in my messages and find you it. You probably should. Or Andrew could Google it really quick. What's a glut of goals? Or it's no, fine. what's what's, what's four fine. goals called? That's what we need to yeah. know. Yeah. Four goal, four goals, not four goals. Gosh, the goals, the goals, Schmatric. the goals that the goals score. You really struggle with the that. goals, goals, goals. <laughs> Where uh, were you? Good thing they're not ghosts. You have been a disaster. Because a glut of goals scored by goals, 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 ghouls, ghouls, a glut of. Goals scored by Gulls Ghouls would really be tough to say. Two is a brace, <laughs> three is a hat trick, four is a haul, five haul. is a glut, six is a double hat trick. Schmat trick is definitely better than whatever you said. You've haul. been a disaster this whole local Horrible. sports roundup. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Just miserable. Anyway, Jemima Perez scored a glut of goals in the game. That's five. Despite playing back on defense for about 20 minutes of the first half. That's silly. Goals keeper Emmy Spencer was only scored on twice all season and recorded six shutouts as a team. The Gulls scored 35 times this season while allowing just seven goals. 
that's going to conclude the local sports roundup <sighs> finally somehow. I wish that I didn't have to do the girls goals <laughs> once. I feel like you make it harder on yourself. The girls goals goals scored. The girls goals goals from Grace Harbor? Yes. Yeah. They're great. It's There's some great goals goals scored. Gigantic numbers. Wait, yeah. that's a different sound. That's, well, it's the same letter. Same though, letter. So it still counts. Yeah. Um, well, we do have to name an OliPen Real Estate Athlete wow. of the Week, and I want to run through some college commitments that I promised that I would discuss this week. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I want to do that as well. But we have one more commercial break to get to, so let's take that commercial break, and then we will come back with what you really want to know, is who's the OliPen Real Estate Athlete of the Week? At OliPen Real Estate, we have solidified our foundation on four core values. First, we continuously focus on growing our knowledge in the market and in our practices to bring the highest level of competency to our clients. Second, we provide a high level of integrity, compassion, and kindness in every aspect of our business. Third, we put the human element above business through humor, enthusiasm, and patience. And last but not least, we proactively respond to the needs of our clients. Our mission is to create a personal real estate experience, one person and one home at a time. With OliPen, it's personal. Thank you to our sponsors, the law office of Jeffrey A. Damasiewicz, and right there, OliPen Real Estate, the sponsor of our OliPen Real Estate Athlete of the Week, which we will get to now. Justin, what are we looking at? I'm looking at some college commitments. So I know That's last not week, the athlete of the week. I teased a couple of these <laughs> and then I did a very bad job at following up with which college they were going to play right. at. So and I've sometimes got, college commitments can mean an athlete of the week. So true. Is that why you're adding them into the conversation I mean, before that? There was a point of it's, the show that college commitments were an automatic athlete of the week. And it's true. just not that way anymore. Montesano High School had a... Uh, like national signing day event where they had like eight athletes there that were all committing to play college sports somewhere. That's awesome. Um, there's a few, I know there's a lot we've gotten to. We talked about Jeremy Sawyer. We talked about James Monroe. We've yep. talked about McKinley Dalen. Um, we all know those kids are going on to play at the next level. Carson Daniels. I, I knew he was doing rodeo. I have confirmed it's at Montana Western. So Carson Daniels will be competing in rodeo at Montana Western. That seems like the perfect name for a college to have a That's, rodeo team. Yeah. Not just Montana. Montana. I have an Western. interesting fact about two colleges that are these commits. I'll leave it for a little bit later. Okay. Oh, I'm intrigued. I, want, I don't like facts. Uh, Josh Wills, I mentioned last week, was going to be playing baseball in college, but I couldn't remember where. It's George Fox University. He's playing baseball at George Fox. Gotcha. Uh, Caleb Ames, I saw this past week, committed to play baseball at Grays Harbor College, so he'll nice. still be close by, and we'll get awesome. to watch him play. Um, Eric Jacklin, who is a distance runner for Montesano High School, is going to be competing in cross country and track at St. Martin's. He's an excellent distance runner, by the way. He's a really, yeah. Yeah, very good. Yep. Um, also, Trey Anderson, who is an Aberdeen Bobcat, has been a football player there, a big contributor over the last couple years, is going to play football at Cornell College. He had multiple options. I learned literally this year that there's a Cornell College and a Cornell University. Oh, there's two different ones. Cornell College is actually nearby. Oh, cool. So that's a place that he'll be going to play. I don't remember exactly where it is. I think it's in Iowa. I want to say. You just said it was nearby? Well, not like... And it's in Iowa. But but compared to... You need geography class. Iowa is not nearby. Well, I was saying by comparison to the Cornell... To what? The other Cornell. (laughs) No, to the other Cornell. It's nearby to us. 
If I need geography class, you need speech lessons. I do. Because you didn't even get through geography. I <laughs> but Iowa is not nearby. I was thinking at least in the northwest somewhere. It's northwest adjacent. But so is the whole country. So uh, by comparison to the Cornell University that's in the Ivy League, Cornell College is nearby. And that's where Trey Anderson's going to play. Good for you, Trey. And I, and I have a fun fact about Cornell College and also University of Montana Western. Okay. Uh, they are one of a small number of schools, of, of colleges in the U.S. that uh, use a class or a like a class schedule system called the block plan or OCAT, which is one course at a time. Uh, this is about Cornell College. I read it about Cornell and then I realized that there's a list here of the other colleges that use the plan, and the University of Montana Western is one of those okay. schools. Uh, since 1978, Cornell has uh, divided their school years into blocks of three and a half weeks each, usually followed by a four-day block break to wound, round out to four weeks, during which students are enrolled in a single class. Oh, I like that. So they take one class with 18 class days to to learn about the class or learn about the subject and pass that that sub Dude, that class. I like that. I do too. I think that would be awesome. That's like the opposite of the semester version. Yeah. Where you take five or classes. six classes or seven <laughs> and you're like, which homework do I have due for what what day is this class on? Because I have Tuesday, Thursday, I have Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I've it was the most stressful thing for me to try and keep track of what I was doing for which class in a semester schedule coming from a quarter, which was three classes. Yeah. So a block thing where you only have to focus on one at a time seems awesome. I agree. I, when I read about it, I was like, wow, no kidding. That would have been perfect for me. Yes. <laughs> seriously. You wouldn't have forgot that you had a math test. Outside, <laughs> that was the other ridiculous thing. Sometimes semesters were like, yeah, this is when your class is, but we're going to have tests at this other random time and day that makes zero sense. And so Andrew and I were working out one day, and he went <laughs> and checked the computer and was like, oh, I have a math test right now. And I was like, oh, what time? And he's like, no, it started like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> that was a stressful time. <laughs> yeah. Semesters are dumb. <laughs> Get with it, Wazoo. That's the only thing I hate about Wazoo semesters. Anyway, Justin, you started cracking up laughing at some point at, at, during that. I'm really curious as to what you found out. Is it not in Iowa? It is in Iowa. Okay. I pulled up a U.S. map and discovered for the first time how far away Iowa is from here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so far! <laughs> But you can drive to Cornell College in 27 hours if you left right now. <laughs> I didn't realize how many states are in between us and Iowa. When you said adjacent, I was really confused. <laughs> Apparently what we've just learned is I'm an idiot. Oh, also, I have heard there's a very interesting story about uh, Cornell College and Cornell University. And apparently I was, to I was told, I haven't looked anything into it, but they're like brothers way back in the day oh, okay. who instituted these two... Um, institutions of higher learning and one was smart. in competition with each other yeah. and one of them is an Ivy League school and the other one's a much smaller school. Yeah. Not to say that it's a bad school, but like one of them is just very different from yes. the other. <laughs> and in, in Iowa, which is uh, right around the corner, 27 <laughs> hours away by uh, vehicle. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of grace that you grew up in Hawaii. That's the only excuse you've had. That's so bad. That was so bad. It's in the Midwest, man. It's so far away. It's really. It's not far. even the near part of the Midwest. <laughs> What's the near part of the Midwest? I don't know. I get like Wyoming, Colorado. Yeah. Wyoming's in the Midwest. I mean, it's the West. Wow, the West of the Midwest. Yeah. So is Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, really... I don't think. I don't think those places are Midwest, but they're like. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Mountain West. Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Mountain states, probably. Yeah. We don't have to dwell on this. Right. Uh, I want to give before we do athlete of the week one quick shout out here. Um, assuming I haven't lost all credibility. Uh, from Hoquiam, there's a group of 7th grade girls yes. who went and competed in a really big track and field meet in Oregon. And they finished third in the 4 by one relay against all these other teams, which is it's really impressive. I just Probably wanna... from across the nation, if it's at... Is it, was it at Oregon University? Because uh... that's a pretty huge track and field... Well, the second Facility. place team is from Kingsway Christian, oh, okay. and the other team is Housel, which I've never heard of. Okay, so. gotcha. Uh, but the four girls that competed in this were Avery Broadhead, Aaliyah Kennedy, Brittany Alcala, and Reneja Burtonshaw. So congratulations to those girls. Big time shout out. I, I would say um, we got sent a couple different pictures of them. Uh, one of them is Chloe Kennedy's younger sister, and it's very obvious. It's extremely obvious. I thought it was a y- picture of her younger self. Yeah, so Aaliyah... Um, uh, actually, is it... Aaliyah, it's two A's at the beginning, so it threw, it threw me off a little okay. bit. But Aaliyah Kennedy... Um, Chloe Kennedy, phenomenal athlete yes. in Hoquiam right now. Yep. Apparently, Aaliyah Kennedy coming up right behind her. And then the other one was Renee Burtonshaw, which one of the pictures... And I didn't completely... I didn't represent the way I responded this to this when I told you earlier when we were in the car on the way out here. Yeah. Jamie sent me a picture of them, and I looked at Renee Burtonshaw, and I said, she looks like she could beat Daniel at arm wrestling. I oh, said contend I with you at arm wrestling. I didn't know that you were specifically saying me. Oh, yeah, you. I thought you were just saying, like, My response to us, Jamie, and I feel... But no, it was just me. I, I feel wow. bad about it. No, nobody's, <laughs> none of those girls are beating me at arm wrestling. They I looked at I looked at Renee Burtonshaw and my response was she looks like she could beat Daniel at arm wrestling. Probably. <laughs> I saw that picture too. She's got some guns. And I don't know why I said it and it was mean spirited towards you, but I still think it's true. Well, she's definitely got more defined arms than I she do. She looks like she lifts. Yeah. Yeah. She she works out. So big shout out to those girls. Great and, job, great accomplishment. Yeah, and I watched a video of them racing against Tumwater and Montesano. And one way I put this was it looked like a Faith Cardenas race. Remember Faith Cardenas <laughs> used to run yeah. for Aberdeen where it was like, there she goes across the finish line. And then you have to turn the camera to find the next runners. I think I counted. They won by something like six seconds or something like that. Wow. Which was, it's it's nuts, you know, for a four by one. So yeah, they they're real fast. Real fast. So, yeah, congratulations to them, and I'm sure we'll be seeing them very soon with some amazing high school accomplishments as well. Justin, time to stop stalling. It's time for our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. We so, have some nominations. We do. There's three main ones, and there was a lot of kids that did really good stuff this week. So if you remembered anybody from the local sports roundup you want to throw in there, that's totally fine. We had a couple that came in specifically in messages. And then also I'm throwing Jesse Gilbert in there because yeah, Jesse Gilbert is the type of athlete who, if we wanted to, 
we could make an argument for giving her athlete of the week every single week. So Jesse, I'll start with that. She pitched in three games this week that I could see in the stats. I didn't have full stats from every game, but it looked like in the three games she pitched, she pitched 19 innings and struck out 40 batters. In addition to that, she hit three home runs, two triples, and drove in 13 runs. Wow. Jesse Gilbert's real good. Yeah. Yeah. She's real. I mean, she's good, but is she real good? She's real good. Are you sure she's? But not do a we created, know she's real? Is she a created player? Because you said those are video game numbers at yeah. one point, and I did. The only time I had video game numbers like that is when I created a player and made all their attributes ninety nine. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know, yeah. but Jesse Gilbert, amazing week <laughs> for Ocosta softball. Um, I'll also throw in there Jemima Perez, who scored a glut of goals for lot. the Grays Harbor goals, despite not even playing forward the, whole the game. entire yeah. game. That's ridiculous. Uh, scored five <laughs> goals. Jemima is a Hoquiam High School student, and what that goals team did this year is really impressive. Yeah. I know Emmy Spencer had a heck of a year. Yep. I feel like Bethany Henderson also was scoring goals every time we turned around. She got a lot of mentions on this show because she scored a lot of goals. In, in a lot of that team's success. So yeah. that was a really good team for the Grays Harbor goals. But speaking of video game stats, yeah. <laughs> we got to get to Bodie Polar. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the specific numbers of Bodie Polar, yeah. I had a stretch of a week in, when I was 15, and I was in just playing in Babe Ruth, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, I was 15 in a league of 14 and 15-year-olds, and I can't remember what teams I played that week, but I had a week where I just felt amazing at the plate. And the way I described it to one of my coaches was I feel like somebody's pitching a beach ball to me. I don't remember my numbers from that week, but that's just it just felt like it was easy to hit the ball. This makes that look s- silly. Like, yeah. this, is, this feels like somebody was soft-tossing it to Bodie, his numbers. It's ridiculous. So the official numbers that I got off of the Game Changer app for Montesano Baseball is that Bodie... I heard from someone else that he went 9 for 12. The official stats I got were 8 for 12 this week in three games against Elma with a 714 on-base percentage, three doubles, two home runs, 11 RSBI from the leadoff spot, and six runs scored Jeez. in one week across three games. So you might think to yourself, you know, three games, somebody gets hot, that yeah. kind of stuff can happen. Let me hit you with Bodie's season stats. Just nuts. I think there's 17 games into the season. <laughs> he is batting... Oh, I typoed here. It's 534. Oh my gosh. He's batting 534. With a 641 on base percentage, because he's also walked quite a bit and it, and been hit by pitch seven times this season. <laughs> he has a 1.538 OPS. Just dumb. 31 <laughs> hits, and this is, I think, the part that, like, this is the part I've latched onto. Yeah. Like, this guy's a leadoff hitter, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of leadoff hitters, they get on base, they steal bases, they score a bunch of runs. Lots of singles. Bodie has 31 hits, 
15 of them are extra base hits. He has 12 doubles and three home runs. So he has almost as many extra base hits as he has singles this season. And he's also driven in 23 runs from the leadoff spot and has scored 31 times. Yeah. Which the fact that he's driven in that many runs means that the bottom of the money order is pretty good at getting them. It is. Uh, they can hit, man. Yeah. That team scores a lot of runs. Top to bottom, they get on base. That is accurate. So, Bodie Poehler, not only for what he did this week, was nominated, but also for what he's done this season. Holy cow. I don't think I've ever seen a batting average that high this late into a season. In in baseball. I don't think I've ever seen anybody over 500. I've seen over 400. Yeah. I've never seen over 500 this late in the season that somebody has brought up. Like, this is... Ridiculous, and he's hitting leadoff. So he's have he statistically probably has more at bats than anybody on the team. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. It does beg the question: Why are people pitching to him? Because... But also because the rest of the lineup is pretty good. Yeah. So he has protection, and it's not a scenario which you can just say, "Ah, oh, we're going to put this guy in base." Number one, they have a lot of other good hitters. Number two, he's really fast. I was just going to say that part, too. <laughs> so you don't want to put him on base if you don't have to. A walk is a double. And also, he's been hit by pitch seven times. Yeah. So it's not it's not like people are just tossing him meatballs all the time. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't... Uh, I'm, I've known... I'm definitely biased here. I've known Bodie since he was a baby. I coached literally. him a little bit. Yes, literally. And I coached him a little bit in Little League, and he is just... Yeah a better person than he is a baseball player. Like he is a phenomenal kid. Yep. I couldn't speak more highly of him without you just not believing me. Cause you'll think I'm making somebody up. Like yep. Bodie's a great kid. He's humble. He's a team player. He works his tail off. I, I'm, he is the type of person that I am thrilled to be ha- saying these things about because I know the character that he represents. Yep. I know what kind of person Bodie is and I'm so happy. Like, he's the easiest kid to root for. And for that reason, if there is ever a wiffle ball tournament, he will have an invite to be on our team, whether we're sponsoring <laughs> a team or making a team where us old farts play on it. He will be welcome. Well, because he played on our wiffle ball team last season. I The year before that, too. Uh, yeah. So I think we kind of have him locked in. Like, yeah. someday when Bodie's playing, like, professional baseball... We still, we still get, get to have him come he, back and play on our wiffle ball team. He has to take a leave of absence to come play with our wiffle ball team. Has to. Right? Yeah. Yeah, except then we'll have to change his name because other people will get upset. So we'll be like, hey, this is Pody Bowler. <laughs> like a Madison Bumgarner rodeo situation? <laughs> exactly. What was his rodeo name? I can't remember. Did you see that he got DFA'd? Mad Bum? I did. I would... I would Shoot, if I was the Mariners, I'd sign him as my DH. That's what I was about to say. He hits better than Mariners DHs do. Easily. Is Madison Bumgardner not to sidetrack? Is he like the most interesting player in the history of baseball? He might be. He is, in addition to being like a really great player, he also is like perhaps the greatest World Series pitcher of all time. He's up there. If you look at his stats in the World Series. He... uh, secretly did rodeo in the offseason under a fake name. Yep. He once dated a woman 
named Madison Bumgardner, who was not related to him, but she had the same name. <laughs> like, if you look look at the story of Madison Bumgardner's adult life, there may not be a more interesting Not right person now, Daniel. Him. Not right now. <laughs> Later. Sorry. Sorry. He, I'm pretty sure he also came in in the World Series as a pinch hitter and hit a home run. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think, also, I think he's hit a bunch of dingers. Oh, he's definitely hit a bunch of dingers, but they actually brought him in and let him hit a home run. Like, I mean, eh, seriously. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but there was a pitcher was interviewed, and they're like, hey, who's the hardest person to pitch against that you've ever pitched against? And he was like, you're going to think I'm crazy. But it was Madison Bumgarner. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> anyway, I think it's settled. Our only pen real estate, bias... Athlete uh, of the week is Madison Bumgardner. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to say we're biased, we might be, but I don't care because these numbers are also just stupid. Bodie Pullers, our only pen real estate athlete of the week, whether it's Beast Bode or hitting Bodie Bombs or throwing Bodie Bombs to Beast Catching Bode. Catching Bodie Bombs. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud and yeah. he is our only pen real estate athlete of the week. It's too bad he doesn't also play basketball and shoot like really long threes because those yeah. would be bombs too. <laughs> That's true. Like Bodie does bombs in every way. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a beast. Yeah. Yeah, because we used to call him Beast Bode. Beast Bode, But yeah. now every time I say that, you're like Bodie Bombs. Well, I called him Beast Bode in junior high. I started calling him that. Maybe even actually earlier. Oh, you know what? That started because he wore a Marshawn Lynch jersey to church. So I started calling him Beast Bode when he was in grade school. And yeah. then it worked out that he ended up being a running back on the junior high teams. Nice. And so I continued calling him Beast Bode. Then he started catching 50-yard touchdowns every day. And then we called him Bodie. Then it was Bodie Bombs. Bodie Bombs, yeah. And now he's hitting Bodie Bombs. Yep. So it's a Beast Bode Bodie Bombs mashup. Just Beast Bodie Bombs. Be- Beast Bombs. Beast Bode Bombs. Beams. Bodie, Bodie Beams. <laughs> <laughs> he's our only Ben Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Show's over. That's going to do it for our show because it's gone <laughs> off the rails quite enough so far and for, for a couple weeks. Like, we had enough show derailments this week. For a couple weeks. So, so maybe next week it'll be a real tight ship. <laughs> Doubt it. Mother's Day. No, wait. Oh, yeah. Mother's Day is, is Mother's two Day. weeks. No, isn't it two weeks away? I think it's next week. <laughs> I think it's two weeks. We better figure this out. <laughs> we need, this is yeah. important. This is important. Oh, Hannah says it's two weeks away. Two weeks? Okay. She knows things. There we go. Thank you for listening to uh, this scrimmage. For my co-host, Justin. Thinks Iowa is close to Washington. Boy, no, that, was a, that was embarrassing. <laughs> And for my co-host, Daniel, can't beat a 7th grade girl in arm wrestling, Hargrove. I can't. And our producer, Andrew, lives and loves in the woods. Mm. Gross. <laughs> I don't even know why you said that. Because that happened the last time we were talking about him living in the woods. One of us accidentally said he loves in the woods. Okay. Gotcha. That makes more sense, but I'm still weirded out. He by loves it. in the woods. You've been listening to the scrimmage. <laughs> Is that a Barry Manilow song? Mm. Okay. Bear E. Manilow in the woods? <laughs>